0: Well, it is good to have you uh, here with us today, Uh, those of you on campus as well as those of you who are online. Um, We are just so excited uh, to be able to share this Thanksgiving season with you. Um, this Sunday, I'm particularly thankful because it was a year ago that we made the second great pivot, uh, if you would, where we pivoted to be online only because of the winter surge in COVID that took place a year ago. And I know that COVID has not gone away, uh, but I also know that the availability of vaccines um, and this continuing to be careful and do social distancing. We've tried to create a, a safe environment here, but I'm excited excited to let you know that throughout this holiday season, uh, it is our plan, unless something unforeseen happens, that we will continue to be on campus and online through the entire holiday season, uh, which is exciting to me because it means that uh, on Sunday mornings, we're going to get to come together here in this room. And I get to talk to real life people, okay? Because like last year, I, I there were chairs. Now we never went so far as cutouts. I know there were some churches that you had cutouts in the chairs, you know, and we, we didn't do that. But uh, but we you you will be here. And what I want to encourage you to do is this. You look around the room we uh, you know we try to keep the rows six feet apart. We encourage you to, to be safe if you're you know if, if you're vaccinated, if you're not vaccinated, we want to encourage you to you know be safe with one another and, and do that kind of thing. So we've tried to create a safe environment that you could actually bring your family and friends to worship during the Christmas season between Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve service, which we will have in person uh, on Christmas Eve, which is a Friday night this year. And I want to encourage you to do that if you're on campus with us. um, I want to encourage you to to worship with us and to invite someone to come with you. We've planned some great things throughout uh, the holiday season. Heather, who's leading our worship today, many of you may not know that uh, Heather Lake Bays uh, actually uh, sings around the country. Needs worship around the country. In fact, she just, she was going to be so embarrassed that I said this, but she just two weeks ago, they released the 50th anniversary. I'm sorry. Yeah, 50th anniversary Disney. Uh, down in Florida, and uh, Heather was one of the vocalists on the new song that will play uh, there in Disney, be a part of the commercials and all that kind of stuff, and she does Christmas concerts, and she's actually on December 12th, she is going to, in both of our services, uh, lead us in worship and Christmas carols and and beautiful Christmas songs, and you you don't want to miss that, and then on the 19th, the the December 19th, Sarah uh, Scar Barbara McLaughlin, uh, who also sings and tours around the country and leads worship for us here. Uh, she's bringing her husband, Jeff, and her brother, Steve, and Sarah and friends are going to lead us in worship on the 19th. And then a young man named Lake Jones, who grew up in our congregation and was our interim worship leader for about eight months or nine months this year, uh, who just, and he's really going to be upset with me about this, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, who two weeks ago sang at Carnegie Hall in New York City uh, with Kristen Chenoweth with and Pentatonics and is now living in New York city that 's kind of where he had he wanted to go from here and God's opening some great doors for him, but he has to come home for Christmas. His mother said so all right and and so because the mama said so, uh, lake's going to be here with us and lead us in our Christmas Eve service. And then on December 26th uh, as well. So I want to encourage you to make plans, whether you can visit with us on campus or online, to worship with us. And feel free to invite your family and friends to join with us uh, this Christmas season. Now, having said that, today is Thanksgiving Sunday. It's the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Now, some of you are very excited about this. I mean, those of you who are university students who are here today, you're excited because you're going to get to go home. Well, some of you are. Um, and, and you're going to get to eat your mama's cooking. And some of you are excited about that. Others of you would prefer the marketplace, right? Yeah, no, uh, not, not happening. Uh, and, and so I, I just want you to know that I'm thankful today for you and thankful for this place and for the opportunity that God gives us. And we're wrapping up this series of sermons that we've entitled this fall, Who is God? And it's been quite the journey. If you've been with us for the whole journey, I, I want to thank you for it. Because, because when we began, I told you, I just had this prompting from the Holy Spirit that, that what we needed to do, regardless of what was going to happen with the pandemic, regardless of what was happening in the world, is that we needed to return to fundamentals. And, and there's nothing more fundamental than asking the question, who is God? And along the way, we've discovered that that Jesus lets us know who God really is because Jesus is God's son. And that the things Jesus teaches us about God are that God is trustworthy, that God is good, that that God is holy, that God is self-sacrificing, that God God is love. And this morning, I want to wrap all of that up with something that might amaze you if you've not really considered it, it's this simple statement, God is present. I mean, honestly, that's what that big theological world word omnipresent means. It means God is present everywhere. I grew up in a preacher's home and my dad used to tell really bad preacher jokes, okay? In fact, when I started preaching, one of the first things one of my best friends, a guy that was in my wedding said to me was, Carrie, you can't tell a joke, don't try. Just don't, you're bad at it, you mess it up every time. But what you can do is you can tell stories. So you tell the stories that your dad used to tell, but do not tell the jokes that your dad used to tell. So I wanna tell you a story that I grew up hearing my father sell all the time. I'm not sure if it's a true story or if it's a quote unquote preacher story, all right? Cause you do realize that there was a generation of preachers for whom preacher stories was a whole literary kind of experience, right? And, and so my dad would tell this story about a little boy who was afraid of the dark. Maybe you've heard this story. The little fellow was so afraid of the dark that his mother never, ever had to bring him in when it was getting dark outside. Never, ever did he have to have his mom call him and say, hey, Johnny, come on in the house. It's getting dark. Because when it first started, the shadows first started to get long in the evening, Johnny was lickety-split back into the house all the time. And so... The, the the mom was real worried about it. She went to talk to their pastor, and, and, and said, "Look, I'm, I'm concerned. This my son's fear is just it's driving him crazy. It's driving all of us crazy. We, he's just becoming almost a recluse, and, and we're very worried about him. How can we help him?" And, and the pastor looked there and said, "Well, you know, here's what I want to recommend to you. I want you to think. I want you to think in terms of. I want you to think in terms of helping Johnny understand." that God is everywhere. God is close. And God is, God is there even outside in the dark. And he doesn't need to be afraid because God is always there. And so mom went home and she talked Johnny into, you know, and she sat him down and said, hey, Johnny, listen, I just want to let you know that, that, you, um, that, that you, you, you really need to understand that, that God is everywhere. God's God's in the house? Yes, mommy, I know. God's at church? Yes, mommy, I know. Johnny, God is outside. Yes, yes, mommy, I know. I see him in the in the trees and the sky. And, and Johnny, listen. God's outside even at night. Johnny got, wait a minute. Hold on. You mean God's outside in the dark? Y- yes, yes, Johnny. God's outside in the dark. Okay, mom. And so they kind of had the discussion. Mom's feeling pretty good about it, right? And so at the end of the day, things are going along. Johnny's playing in the house that particular day, and, and mom spilled something in the kitchen. And, um, and she said, hey, Johnny, would you get the broom off the back porch for me? And so Johnny goes, and, and, and Johnny, Johnny goes to, to start toward the back porch, and suddenly he gets to the, to the back porch door, and he looks up and realizes it's completely dark outside. The back porch is completely dark. And so, Johnny, it's one of those where mom's out of the corner of her eyes, She sees him, and he's reaching for the door. He sees that it's dark, and he freezes. And you can tell the poor little guy is caught on the horns of a dilemma here. He's already said, well, I know God is everywhere. His mom told him that. The pastor told him that. His dad's told him that. He believes it in his head, but, but he's scared because, I mean, it's dark out there and he's not sure what's in the dark. And so he's frozen for just a minute. And Mom catches it and she turns and she says, hey, Johnny, listen, I want you to know, remember what we said. God is everywhere. You don't need to be afraid of the dark. It's okay. Go out and get me the broom. And said, so Johnny, with like six-year-old wisdom, <laughs> smiled real big. Said, so, "Okay, Mom." And he reached his hand up and he opened the door slowly. He opened it just a little crack, stuck his little arm out through the crack in the door, and said, "Hey, God, if you're out there, would you hand me that broom?" Now, some of us think about God being present like that. Uh, God, if you're out there, would you let me get a date with that girl? God, if you're out there, would you give me that raise? God, if you're out there, would you, would you take care of this situation in my family? God, if you're out there, would you you fill in the blank with whatever it is? Heal me of COVID. Keep me from getting COVID. Heal my broken heart. God, if you're out there. But what we've learned about the God who is loving and trustworthy and sacrificing and holy is that, He's not just out there. He's present with us. And there's a story in the Gospel of Luke that, that happens in the life of Jesus because what we've understood is that it's Jesus who teaches us the best narratives about God. It's Jesus who tells us the truth about who God really is. Culture can't do that for us. Uh, Our own family traditions don't do that for us sometimes. Sometimes our our family traditions and our cultural traditions, they they skew the understanding of who God really is. But Jesus came and Jesus said, if you want to know who the Father is, look at me. If you want to know who I am, get to know the Father. Because the Father and I are one. And so in Jesus' life, he's continually teaching and continually demonstrating who God really is and what God is really like. And so one day Jesus And his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. Now, the way the Gospel writer Luke tells this is is he says, Jesus has set his face for Jerusalem. It's a phrase he uses throughout the Gospel of Luke, that Jesus has set his face toward Jerusalem. Now, what he means by that is that Jesus knew what was going to happen in Jerusalem. He knew that he was going to be falsely accused. He knew he was going to be falsely convicted. He knew he was going to be crucified. He knew he was going to die on a a cross. He knew what he was there to do. He knew what was happening, and he had resolved, even though he would have those moments the night before when he's saying, Father, if if there's any way to take this cup from me, take it away from me, because this is pretty, pretty awesomely bad. And yet he knew that this was why he came, to die on that cross, to be resurrected on the third day so that you and I could be forgiven of our sin by the sacrifice that he made on the cross and we could be resurrected to eternal life by the power that he demonstrated over death. And so he'd set his face for Jerusalem. And along the way, as he's headed toward what he knows is gonna happen, he encounters people. And there's a, there's a, there's a story in, in Luke chapter 10 of a, of a particular family, a, a family with two sisters and a brother. We don't meet the brother in Luke chapter 10. In fact, we don't meet him in Luke's gospel at all. We, we meet him in John's gospel, but it's the same family. The, the sisters' names are Mary and Martha. Martha's the older, and Lazarus is their brother. Now, if you've been around church much at all, you, you kind of know the story about Lazarus, right? Lazarus is the guy who died Mary and Martha sent word over to Jesus because he was across the Jordan River in another area of the country. And and they sent word to him and said, hey, the man that you love is sick and he's he's not going to make it. And Jesus doesn't respond. Jesus stays where he's at. And the disciples look at him and say, hey, you love that family. How come you're not going over there? And, And Jesus says, this sickness is not unto death. And for four days he waits. And then... He says to the disciples, hey, let's, uh, let's go over there to see Lazarus. And they said, well, if he's sick, he'll get better. He said, no, Lazarus is asleep. They said, well, if he's, if he's asleep, his body will recover. He'll, he'll get better. And they said, no, no, listen, he's dead. And for your sake, I'm glad he's dead. That's a strange thing for Jesus to say, right? For your sake, I'm glad he's dead because you're going to get to see what God can do even in the most desperate situation and so they go back you remember the story as they get near to the village the Mary and Martha the sisters one at a time they come outside the village and they they see Jesus and they're like Jesus if you'd been here our brother wouldn't have died but, but Jesus weeps because of the emotion of the moment and then Jesus calls Lazarus out of the grave And here's what I want you to know. That wasn't the first time Jesus met Mary and Martha and Lazarus. The first time was on a day when he was going through their village with his face set toward Jerusalem, knowing what was happening. And in that time, this is a story that will rock your world. No matter who you are even more than raising a dead man out of the grave. Because raising a dead man out of the grave feels so extreme. But the story the first time that Jesus met this family, that story that time, that's, that's a little closer to home. Listen as I read it for you from Luke chapter 10. It starts in verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now, I need to stop there for a minute. We read past that so quickly, we don't understand how how absolutely radical this was. First of all, for Jesus as as an itinerant Jewish rabbi teacher to stop in a house with a, with a woman in charge, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't that unusual. That took place. That was kind of the woman's role, right? To, to take care of the house, to, to fix the meals, to host the men. But for Mary to sit at the feet of Jesus, listening to the teaching of the rabbi, just like the men, friend, that, that was turned the world upside down kind of stuff. And so that's what's going on in that room. And this is the first time these people that we know of have been together. Jesus has come through their village. He's staying at their house because he's been invited by Martha to do that. And her sister is sitting at his feet, listening to him teach. And Martha, I love this, was distracted with much serving. And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Martha's like, hey, Jesus, there's a big crowd here. You're teaching these men. My my sister shouldn't even be in this setting. She should be out here in the kitchen with me. Now, ladies, don't throw anything at me. I'm just reading what's in the book. But here's what I want you to know. Jesus' answer to her is absolutely amazing. Because over the years, we've missed something about his answer. Some of you know that that what he ends up saying to her is, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, every time I heard this story as a kid, I was like, dear Lord, don't let me be Martha. Don't let me be Martha. I don't want to be the person who's, who's distracted and misses you. And then along the way, somebody said to me, but, but Martha wasn't all bad. And I, I, I mean, you got to have some Marthas to fix the meal, right? I mean, who wants to go to Thanksgiving meal this Thursday? And all the way, nobody's prepared. We're all just going to sit around and talk. Somebody's got to make that turkey or the ham or the green bean casserole or whatever it is at your house. And so all of you who are preparing for that, please understand the design of this sermon is not to keep you from making Thanksgiving meal. The design of this sermon is to help you understand what's really distracting you from God. Because when when Jesus answered Martha, he didn't just say, Martha, as I said a moment ago. If you look in, in your scriptures, or as you, we will see in a few minutes, he said, Martha, Martha, which is a, it's not condescending. It's not demeaning. It, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a way of talking to somebody for whom you care deeply. And so what happens is that In this dialogue, in this setting, we learn about the God who is present. Present with us. Listen to it again from verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now, in the Bible, when you hear the term house, yes, it does mean like a building with a roof and walls. But it also means more than that. To be welcomed into someone's house was to be welcomed into a relationship. And so here Jesus is with his face set toward Jerusalem, knowing what he's going to do, knowing the mission he's on. And and now he comes into this village, which we later learn is the village of Bethany. And, And in that village of Bethany, there's this woman named Martha who sees this itinerant Jewish teacher and his band of disciples and says, hey, come to my house. I'm impressed with what you're saying. I'm impressed with what you're doing. Come to my house. I want to fix you a meal. I want, I want you to be housed in my house. I want to have this relationship with you. You see, the God who is present is present in the relationships. And so when Jesus accepts her invitation, he steps into that into that house at her invitation. Now, why am I making such a big deal about that? Because that's the way Jesus steps into every house. Jesus always steps into our house at our invitation. But if you don't invite him, he'll stand on the porch, and he probably won't hand you the broom. You see, he he invites you into a relationship. And when he invites you into that relationship, you've got a choice to make. Because he is present. He is present everywhere. And he's standing in front of you. He's standing in your life. He wants you to know that he loves you. He wants you to know that he's trustworthy. He wants you to know that he sacrificed himself for you. He wants you to know that that he is holy. He wants you to know that you can turn your entire life over to Him because He loves you like no one else loves you. He wants you to know that but He's waiting for you to choose. And when you choose you have the same choice Martha and Mary had. You can choose to respond to His presence with one of two things. Either duty or delight. Uh, What do you mean Pastor? Well, see, Martha chose to respond to his presence in her house with duty. She was, she was doing what hostesses did. She was doing what you did to, a, to, to, to welcome someone into your home. She was doing what you did when a, when a rabbi came through the village. She was, she was taking care. She was taking care of the things that had to be taken care of. And, and she got so wrapped up in them that Luke says she was distracted by the many things she was doing. What I would suggest to you this Thanksgiving season is that perhaps the reason many of us fail to acknowledge the presence of God in our life is we're too distracted by the stuff. Not that the stuff is bad. Martha wasn't doing a bad thing. She just got so caught up in doing good things that she missed the best thing. And it could be possible. I mean, I'm I'm just thinking that for some of us, we've become so wrapped up in the good things About life. And the things that have to be done. Somebody's got to make the turkey, right? We've established that. Somebody's got to fix the meal. Somebody's somebody's got to clean the house. Somebody's somebody's got to make the money. Somebody's got to do something to sustain this family. Martha, the Marthas are all around us, and they're loved and they're necessary. But don't be distracted. In the midst of doing the stuff of life, don't be so distracted that you miss the other option. You see, you don't have to respond to his presence with just duty. You can respond to his presence with delight. Absolute delight. My my father-in-law has been with the Lord now for a number of years. A decade, actually. But when he was alive... This man who had a degree from Washington University, this, this man had served in the United States Navy, this, this man who, had, who, who was the father of the woman I fell in love with, this, this man who was like one of the greatest grandpas the world has ever known because he would take my boys fishing and I can't stand to fish. Fishing requires patience, of which I have none, all right? And, and he, he, would, he, he was just an awesome guy. But can I tell you how I knew when Ivan Meyer was happy, he whistled. He would be doing something mundane, something that had to be done, something that, that, and he would just be whistling. And it really didn't, sometimes it made a tune, sometimes he just whistling, but here's what I always knew. I knew that he delighted in what he was doing. Can I tell you something? If you're doing something for God out of your sense of duty, if you're doing something for your family out of your sense of duty, and it doesn't bring you delight, then you've made the wrong choice. I know not everything is easy. I know not everything is, is, you know, roses and candy. Some things are hard. But even the hard things, God is with you. And you can learn to delight in his presence. You can learn to do what Mary did. I mean, I heard a guy one time say, you know, if you think Martha had it bad, think about Mary. She had to live with Martha. And and the fact is, you and I are called to choose to respond to the the presence of God who is right here with us right now. I mean, look at the scripture again. She had a sister called Mary. Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and just listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. See, this Thanksgiving, maybe one of the things we need to be most thankful about is that God is with us. That's more, by the way, than simply the name Emmanuel, which is at the heart of the Christmas story. I have some people every once in a while ask me, why do you think people are so into Christmas so much earlier now? It's been a pandemic. The world has been hard. We need to remember, some of us have forgotten, God will never leave us, God will never forsake us. He is what He promised that to us. He promised that years and years and years before you were ever born. If we acknowledge him, he will acknowledge us. And he will never leave us no matter how hard it gets, no matter how desperate we get. But in the process of acknowledging his presence, my dear friends, I'm asking you, please step past duty to delight. Delight. Find the Mary in your heart. And I don't mean the M-E-R-R-Y. I mean the M-A-R-Y. Find the Mary who's willing to sit at the feet of Jesus, even when people around her are criticizing her for doing just that. Because in the process, God's going to use you. God's going to use the Mary. I love Jesus' answer, as I, as I told you. Because you see, we, we can either live in distraction like Martha or in devotion like Mary. And Jesus' answer, it's amazing to me. He looks at her and says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one, one thing, this is necessary. One of these things is necessary. But one, one, this is necessary. And Mary chose that. <laughs> so not only am I not going to rebuke her and tell her to get into the kitchen and help you, Martha. I'm going to tell you, don't be so distracted by the good things you're doing. And oftentimes I've wondered, I wonder, if, I wonder if they ever really got that or not. Until I connected the dots. See, it's always important in the Bible to connect the dots. You can't just read Matthew and say, well, that's all Jesus had to say. No, you really need to read Mark and Luke and John. And, and by the way, you really need to read the way the, the church existed in the book of Acts. And you, you need to read the rest of the epistles. And, oh, and along the way, you need to read the Old Testament and see the connection of the different places. Because here's what you need to know. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is written to tell you that God, God is with you. And God cares for you. And God is here to redeem you. And in the Gospel of John, we find that story I mentioned earlier about Lazarus being raised from the dead. And we discover that when that miraculous event took place, people wanted to celebrate. And so so there's a party at the same house where this party took place. And, And when that party is there and people are gathered in, you know what John tells us? it's in John chapter 12, that Martha, she was at it again. She was serving everybody. She's making the food for everybody. Everything's going on. And what was Mary doing? Mary was at it again. Only this time, Mary knows that she has, she has the blessing of God. Because what Mary does is, in response to the the overwhelming presence of God to raise her dead brother from the grave and put his feet back upright. She looks at her brother and she looks at Jesus and now she goes back somewhere in the house and she pulls out a a bottle full of this amazing ointment that was so expensive it cost a year's wages. A year's wage. I don't know about your salary, I know mine. I've never paid a year's wages for a bottle of perfume. And she walks over to where Jesus is, where he's interacting with people, where he's teaching people, where he's, where he's in the presence of people. And, and because of what he's done in her life, because she understands he is the very presence of God in her life, She pours out that ointment on his feet. And it makes some people furious. In fact, Judas, who was the the one who would later betray Jesus, who kept the treasury for the the, uh, disciples, says to Jesus, why in the world would you let her waste something like this? Because she could absolutely, that's that's so valuable. We, We could have fed all these hungry people with this. Jesus says this amazing thing. The poor you will have with you always, but not me. And what she has done for me will be recounted throughout history. Because what she has done for me is to prepare my body for burial. Now, if you're not a first century Jew, you're going to miss this very important point. So let me explain it to you very quickly. You see, there were two things that were really important to the Jewish people. One was caring for the poor. Judas got that part. The other was being prepared for burial. And Mary didn't know that's what she was doing, but Jesus did. And so Jesus' response to Judas, who, by the way, John tells us, only asked the question because he used to steal from the treasury, was, let her alone she's got one thing, and she got it right. This Thanksgiving, wherever we are in this pandemic, this day in your life, I'm asking you, do you have it right? Have you chosen delight and devotion, or have you chosen duty and distraction?